Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com, not just because we're the only all-free sports website in South Florida with our articles, with our columns, with our YouTube channel, with our podcast, but also for our merchandise, make sure to check out all the latest Tua shirts and, of course, the Heat shirts and the Five on the Floor official gear. Both Alf and I have it. You got to get the Five on the Floor official gear. Here's the thing. You got like three days for this, but by the end of May, 10% off for $30 or more, which basically gets you two shirts on the site. So if you get two shirts or more on the site, you get 10% off the entire order. You can mix and match. We've got lady sizes on there now too. We've got tank tops on there. Just about anything you want as you go into the summer, get your official five reasons gear. There is a little bit of a delay, but I can tell you the delay is not as much as you're going to get at some of those official shops. Shirts have been getting out to people within two to three weeks, which during COVID is not too bad. Also, check out all of the sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. One of our sponsors, John Chung, has been with us quite a while. You got to check out what he's got going on because if you got a bad back, you need to get it treated. Look, you've been sitting on the couch a lot during COVID. Keystone Chiropractic and Neuroplasticity, which is focused on low-force spinal adjustments and brain-based rehabilitation. They get great results with post-concussion syndrome, dizziness and vertigo, headaches, and chronic neck and back pain. A lot of chiropractors and therapists want to see you three times a week for months, but Keystone has a treatment philosophy of doing just enough to get you back to a normal life again. They're now offering, and this is important during COVID, virtual rehab visits using video conferencing to assess and prescribe effective treatment protocols. So make sure that you check that out. Research shows that patients getting a supervised telemedicine rehab program can be just as effectively treated as in-person visits for many pain conditions. And as with many of our sponsors, we have a promotion. Mention five reasons for a free 15-minute video or phone consultation and save 50% off your first virtual rehab session. The website is chiropractickeystone.com. Don't reverse it because that's another site. Chiropractickeystone.com or on Twitter at Dr. Jonathan Chung. He's a great guy and he's a big Miami sports fan. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. Just Alphonse Sidney. I'll be doing another one with Alex Toledo coming up. Check out all the episodes from this week. We got into the NBA's plan coming back. Um, also, check out the episode from a couple of weeks ago with Keith Askins. I think a lot of people missed that because when we put it out, that's a Heat Stories episode. And we are working, Alf, on a Heat player. We're working on a Heat player. Um, it's going to surprise people who we get. Uh, but we've had a bunch of them already. So this is somebody that we have not had yet, but we're working on that over the next week or two. Is it LeBron? Oh, uh, no. it, you, it you didn't is. say former Heat player. Okay. I did not say – it's not former Heat player. Um, and not, it's not LeBron. It's not Dwayne Wade. Um, it's not Deion Waiters. It's not James Johnson. It's not Hassan Whiteside. Uh, but uh, it is somebody that I think Heat fans will want to hear about um, because there's been a lot of chatter about this particular player 
on Twitter. So you guys can all guess. Um, actually, you know what? Let's do this. First person to guess correctly gets a free two a rookie card from our friend Ryan Lasner. So the first person to guess correctly on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports. Also, I know I'm doing a lot of promoting. Am today. I eligible? No. All, oh. I, I'll, no, and you don't want the Tua card anyway. You're not a Dolphins fan. Yeah, okay. I'll get you a Daniel Jones card. Um, <laughs> you, can <have> that. <laughs> you can have that one. But we also have a new Twitter account, too, uh, that I have nothing to do with. I've turned it over to Manny Chang, who a lot of you guys know from 560. Alex and Alf are finally going to get on there. It's five reasons, excuse me, five on the floor spelled out, F-I-V-E, on the floor, and the number five. So spelled out, on the floor, five, on the floor, five. That is the Twitter account. So make sure that you check that out too because they're going to be giving totally different opinions from mine and this is an Ethan-free zone. This podcast, not an Ethan-free zone. We have more of kind of a, I don't know, existential topic today because there's not a lot going on. And the topic is this. How do the Heat, how do NBA teams in general, but how do the Heat with Pat Riley at the helm weigh sentimentality, someone who's a fan favorite versus practicality? Because there's a couple of players that I think have become fan favorites very quickly with the Heat at different levels of their careers. And I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, kind of how you handle these two situations. So here's the two players that we're going to talk about today. Tyler Hero, Myers Leonard. Tyler Hero. You have watched this sort of evolution, Al, from Tyler coming in as somebody that nobody wanted to somebody that everybody in Miami is in love with. Uh. <laughs> right? How, how, right? How, how, and now he's dating IG models. Now he's getting haircuts that, you know, are confusing people. How hard do you think it would be for this fan base? What is the bar for this fan base where they would be willing to move or be okay with the heat moving a player like that? It's got to be for somebody who is what Tyler Hero's ceiling is, right? Some like Tyler Tyler Hero fully realized. And if you're talking about like if if Tyler Hero gets included in a package for say a Bradley Beal, there are going to be some people who are upset, and they would be wrong to be um, because Bradley Beal is Tyler Hero's ceiling. So I, I don't I don't even understand how you can be mad about. That. I mean, Tyler, uh, Bradley Beal is what. What what was he in the uh, scoring race this year? Like three or four? I think he was two, wasn't he? Oh my! I mean, what what wasn't he just behind Harden? I thought he edged ahead of Trey Young right before the. Uh, do you so? My question is: Do you ever think, even on as a looter in a riot on a bad team, do you ever think Tyler Hero will be second in the NBA in points per game? No. Okay, no. so to me, it's. That's where that's where and you have I, to... I don't know if he'll be a better defender either because I know that Bradley Beal was not a good defender the past year or so, uh, but I don't know that he'll. You know, I think Tyler Hero's upside is a defender, and I don't want to typecast him. Maybe JJ Redick, uh, well, and, that, and that Beal, would that would be a good thing if he gets to that level. When the entire offense wasn't on Bradley Beal, Beal's shoulders, he was actually a really good defender. Right, I know. That's why I'm saying, but he, he has slipped in the past couple of years, I don't think that a hero can get to that level. No. And then we've seen that Beal has progressed incredibly as a playmaker, even while playing with garbage in Washington. Like he was the focal point of the offense, averaging five plus assists, you know, with, a, with some shooters around him, but like no proven commodities on that team. And uh, I mean, Bertans, you know, blew up this year, but he became a ball handler. And, and look, his numbers, when you look at the 25-5-5 plateaus, which Beal blew through this year with the 30 points, 
mean, Dwayne Wade only did that twice in his career. I mean, he was close a couple of other times. So Bradley Beal is, he's not like a really, really good shooting guard. He's an elite offensive player. He's a top 10 offensive, all around offensive player in the NBA. Yeah. And so like, my thing is if it's for like a Victor Oladipo, um, I still would be okay with it, but I could see where fans would be, would be upset. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if he gets included in a, something like a Gallinari trade, like, first of all, I don't think the heat would ever do that, but, um, and I've seen like silly things from other fan bases where they want Tyler hero for a guy like Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, uh, guys with terrible contracts that, um, by the time they're making 45 million a year, they will be 36, 37 years old and lose, I mean, even more of their athleticism. So I understand where, where, where you're coming from with that. But if you're dealing for a young superstar, um, if, if I know Milwaukee won't trade Giannis, but if it's a guy like Giannis, a guy like Beal, you're going to have to give up assets. And I sometimes think the Heat fans are unrealistic, right? Mm-hmm. They're unrealistic with who they're going to have to give up if they're going to make these kinds of trades. So that's why everyone just wants free agency to come around. So they don't have to give up anybody, but, that's but, but, not but, the they're, but they're unrealistic in part because the heat have over time figured out a way to do this without having to give up the elite asset, but giving up good assets. So for instance, okay, if you go back to the Shaq trade, they mm-hmm. gave up two really good assets, Karan Butler and Lamar Odom coming off a career best season, but they didn't give up Dwayne like Pat was not giving up Dwayne and that, you know, this all happened after a conversation with Jerry Buss where Jerry Buss was trying to get Pat to come back to the Lakers. And then all of a sudden at this conversation, it was, Oh, by the way, we may move Shaq. Okay. Well, we're not moving Dwayne. (laughs) And then Dwayne became the piece that was attractive for Shaq to play with. So I I think that, you know, there is a level here, right. In terms of what prospects you'll give up. And let's look again at the Jimmy Butler deal. You, you were maxed out. You couldn't do anything. But you were willing to give up Josh Richardson. You weren't willing to give up Bam Adebayo. Okay, so there's always a level. Now, when Pat first got to Miami, the best piece he had was probably Glenn Rice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there really wasn't any choice. If you were going to do anything there, I mean, Rice was the piece you had to move. I mean, take a look at the roster that Zoe joined in Miami. Okay, it was not good. All right, and so you know, Glenn Rice was the piece. And obviously we would have loved to have seen, Glenn would have loved to have seen him and Zoe play together, but that just wasn't possible. So Pat's history, and I think we need, when both these players we're talking about today, we need to talk about Pat's history. Pat's history is he will move the good young piece, but he will try to avoid moving the best young piece. And that's why the preference here would be to try to move Kendrick Nunn over Tyler Hero. He just may not have a choice if it's Bradley Beal. That, that's the issue. And then the other part that comes into this is, do you trade the piece when you, all you have to do is wait and you may not have to? And that's, that's the other thing to consider here. I mean, Beal, is, Beal took a two-year extension. I mean, he's not extended forever. I mean, you could still get in on Bradley Beal without having to give up Tyler Hero. But the question then becomes, is that duplicative anyway? Like, could, could Bradley Beal and Tyler Hero play together? I mean, yeah, of course, I think they could. But here's the thing. When have you known Riley to be pr- patient? There's two, cons- there's two factors you got to consider right now. Mm-hmm. Riley's age and Jimmy Butler's age yes. and Jimmy Butler's mileage, right? So you're going to wait two years for Bradley Beal to be a free agent while you're wasting Jimmy's prime. And I think uh, Riley saw what happened to Wade's crime. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to let that kind of thing happen again. And no one expected Wade to fall off that cliff in 2014. And honestly, some of 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012, even there were some, there were some hiccups in the road. So no one expected that. Or actually we all kind of did when we saw Wade's style of play. Right. But wasting 2008 and 2009 with Dwayne, I mean, you got to go back and think he was he was a top three player mm-hmm. in the NBA and they, yeah. they couldn't get out of the first round. Yeah. So what, you're going to do that again with Jimmy Butler and, you know, to hold on to a rookie. I don't think, listen, there's some people that would probably be okay with that and say, listen, mm-hmm. I'd rather wait and get Bradley Beal here without losing an asset. Riley, I don't think is one of those people. I think he sees yeah. the window with Jimmy Butler at his, at, as his best player and Bam Adebayo. Um, Bam Adebayo is one much longer, much much more. Yeah, open, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a real concern there. I mean, but I, with you know, Jimmy, you got to you got to act now. You got to act now, but I also don't think you want to overplay the Jimmy thing. I, I think what you're talking about with Riley's impatience and age is really more of a factor than Jimmy's. Um, I think Jimmy knew when he was coming that this might be a couple year process. And I think that the plan is to take some burden off Jimmy so that you can extend him a little bit. And, and I think they did try to do that this year. His minutes were not at the level that they'd been at previous. I mean, you know, we, we saw his legs start to wear down in back to backs. So I think some of this has already started to happen because I think that, you know, it's funny. Some people blame the wrist for a shooting. Um, you know, I thought it was his legs people around him said no it was just confidence it was probably a combination of all three but I, I I do think that they've realized they have to limit him a little anyway and I think if they feel that if Bam can become more of the guy and then eventually you're going to get somebody else and then Jimmy basically becomes your third player maybe even your fourth player you know depending on who else develops here that you can milk a lot more out of him and then he becomes just an ultra competitive two-way player that's not expected to sort of initiate all the offense and guard the other other guys you know other team's best player all the time like I feel like they do think that you know it's not going to be Tibbs okay you know that's not the way that they've used him so I do think that they feel like they can get a little bit more out of him and so I don't know that his timeline is as big an issue did they pay him a lot of money absolutely okay is the cap going to shrink and that money then is going to take up an even bigger chunk absolutely but I still think that it's not as much about Jimmy. I think it's about Pat's impatience. And I wouldn't downplay this either. And, and I don't want to be macabre here or anything. You know, but Pat's in his mid-70s. He's entering his late 70s, okay? Um, and, it, you know, at this point, I think, you know, his family, his wife have just realized that, you know, going back, going to Paris or Malibu is just not going to happen, okay? But he's, he's, he, he can't give this up, okay? And that's fine. But Pat has also witnessed a lot of death recently. Among his peers, I mean, I, and I hate to be macabre. I mean, I hope Pat lives to be 150 years old. But the reality is, I mean, I had this conversation with Pat a couple of years ago um, because so many people, I mean, younger players, right? People are, how many people have been around Pat have had just tragedy? I mean, how many players has he coached? Zoe, Brian, I mean, in terms of ailments, illness, Zoe, Anthony Mason passing away early, Brian, Brian Grant, Grant, Chris Bosch. I mean, these are players that were like, central to Pat's being, right? They were guys like Brian Grant, Zoe, Chris Bosch, uh, you know, they rep, you know, even Mace, Mace was a, 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 you know, a reclamation project by Pat who kind of embodied his whole New York attitude. And he's just witnessed a lot of tragedy, a lot of, and then 
his peers. And then, you know, you see David Stern passes away right now. Jerry Sloan passes. I mean, I feel like Don Shula passes away. Like, I feel like every, uh, again, I don't want to be a downer here, but I feel like every, every month Pat's releasing another statement about the, the tragic death of another legend. It, right. I, all the time. Like he just released one for Jerry Sloan. I think you have to put this into context. Like we think Pat Riley is going to live forever and be, um, you know, uh, you know, be what he is in terms of his acumen and everything forever. And that's just not reality in life. Right. No. So, so, so I, I do think we have to talk about it. Um, you know, I do think we have to talk about it. Like, okay, just how long is he going to be able to do this at this level? His energy level. I saw something. Did you see the same thing? I thought I saw something somewhere where he's not going to travel with a team. If they, um, they travel. I mean, let's be honest. He's in a risk group. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this on a previous pod, I think. He's in a risk group. He's in his mid-70s, like, you know, with everything that's going on right now. I think that needs to be put into some context. Um, so he's always been willing to give up the player, but I think that he may be more willing to give up the player now to sort of fast-track it. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, look, uh, you know, they came back faster than anybody expected already, and you just want to ride the wave. Like, they were feeling pretty good about where things were going, and if you have to part with a guy and he becomes a star somewhere else, okay. So I'm with you. I think for Bradley Beal, if you have a chance to pull the trigger and Tyler Hero is really the only big piece, I, I think you do it. Um, I don't think you do it for Victor Oladipo. I don't. I, there's enough of a – it has to be a top 10, top 15 guy. Yeah, I, th- I think Bradley Beal is basically is, is your floor on that. That's the guy that you part with Hero for. Um, Victor Oladipo, not necessarily. Have we talked about the buyout guys, the amnesty guys? I think we talked about them on one previous app. I think Alex and I might have gotten into them a little bit. Uh, we never really got into, you know, who we'd like better. I mean, the ones we t- – first thing, Chris Paul is not going to be amnestied, so we can take that off the table. He's, he's too good still. I think John I Wall is an option. And that's I, well, we, we talked about John Wall and Blake Griffin. And so if, if either of those guys – first thing, and, and we'll get, I want, do want to get into Myers on this pod, but let's do this quickly. John Wall, Blake Griffin, all things equal. Okay, let's say same contract. Remember, they're going to get paid ridiculous amount by somebody else. You're going to amnesty. It's not on your tab, right? They yeah. fit into, you know, yeah, I mean, what they get from you is, is basically, you know, written off against whatever they got somewhere else. So John Wall, Blake Griffin, all things equal. I polled this, by the way. I got a lot of votes. Who would you take for this Heat team? To me, it's John Wall, and it's not even close. Um, just because I I don't see a front line of Bam and Blake being big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they can rebound, but I just don't see them as – I mean, we, we discount how good they were when Myers and Bam were out there, and Myers was just able to take on whatever big man – I mean, take – play solid minutes against Embiid. And Embiid, okay, gave him work, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that. Embiid gave him some buckets, but – at the same time, it gave Bam that relief. Bam doesn't have that relief next to a guy like Blake Griffin. Bam has to play full-time center, and I just mm-hmm. don't think that's the best thing for Bam. So, to me, um, one, one of our biggest complaints about the Heat all year is perimeter defense. John Wall at 75%, right? Let's say his injury leaves him at 75% of the player that he once was, is by far the best guard uh, defender on the Heat. I agree with that, yes. It's not even close. And he's by far the best point guard on the Heat, even at 75%. 
And I love Goran Dragic, but you know, we've both uh, talked about this, that Goran is more of a, a two really than a one. Yes. Um, the Heat really don't have a one. So to me, to have a guy like John Wall that can stay in front of other speedy point guards mm-hmm. is so much more important to the Heat than having a guy like Blake Griffin. I, I don't even see what Blake – the fact that Blake Griffin now can uh, uh, pull out for three is great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Myers can do that. Kelly can do that. Right. Uh, Duncan Robinson has you covered there, right? Hero, you have so many guys that can hit three. I just don't see what Blake brings to the table that's so important. Um, well, I, I I think if Blake, I think if Whiteside was still the center, it's a different conversation. Um, yes, because because then I I do think that you need that facilitator in the front court these days. I mean the the things that that Spolster could do with with Blake and Bam in the front court offensively are kind of almost unprintable. They're they're so ridiculous. I mean he's they would be unbelievably dynamic. There's just I mean the the ability to basically create plays from pretty much any spot on the floor. And with the shooters that would be around them, is would be amazing. Um, but I'm with you that if John Wall can accept the lesser role, which I think he would, um, if could accept the lesser role and basically be a defender and a distributor, it reminds me a lot of Tim Hardaway coming here. Yeah. Um, I, and and people forget like Tim had two totally different careers, and to me this is why it's such a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame because he totally reinvented himself. I mean, Golden State, it was up and down, run TMC, playing with, with Richmond and Mullen and Rod Higgins and all those guys. And then he comes here, and, he, he, I mean, the style could not have been more polar opposite. He went to the most conventional style team in the league, which is what the Heat were at that time, to play with a post-up center who, let's be honest, was a little clunky in the post, okay? So Tim had to create a lot himself. And, you know, and then he came to a place that valued defense, which Golden State did not. And somehow Tim became on, and then he came here with terrible knees at a time, at a time where I mean we thought Dwayne's knees were bad. I mean Tim's knees and Tim couldn't stay in shape, so like Tim had that fat clause in his contract that used to piss him off all the time, and he had a three to one assist to turnover ratio clause in his contract. Like they they treated him like a child actually in a lot of ways. It, 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 Tim bristled at it all the time. And yet he became in some ways their most important player. I mean, they, they were, you know, it was Zoe or Tim, it, take your pick. It's kind of like Jason Taylor or Zach Thomas on the heat defense that they, they were, I mean, excuse me, the Dolphins defense, but Tim became incredibly important to them. And the John wall thing reminds me of Tim. He's about the same age as Tim was when he came. Um, he's had injuries that took away kind of what was his calling card, which was his high level of athleticism. Uh, but he still has incredible basketball IQ. He always did. John Wall did. And, you know, he played with some, I always said this about John Wall. He came into the most unfavorable situation in the NBA. He played with four knuckleheads when he first came in. And this is the old Kyle Korver quote. Kyle Korver gave me this quote once. He said, you can have one knuckle, knucklehead on a team, but don't give him a buddy. Okay. Okay. And, and I, there was a heat player that was drafted second overall. Chalmers I, and Beasley. Well, right. Okay. I mean, and Chalmers was not a knucklehead, but in the presence of knuckleheads, well, that's okay. What, that's what it I was meant. problematic. Okay. But you gave Beasley a buddy. Okay. And that was the problem. All right. At that point. And Kyle Corver gave me that quote. It was not about them, but I, I immediately thought of them when I first thought of that. But if you look at, at, uh, <laughs> and, and, and what John Wall came in with, he was playing with Nick Young, JaVale McGee, Andre Blatch, and Jordan Crawford. 
Oh my god. That's like Maybe my nightmare. Four of the four of the lowest IQ players in the NBA at that time. McGee got better, but I mean literally there's an entire Shaq segment named after him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Andre Blatch, okay, n- I mean skilled, but not no. Jordan Crawford and Nick Young, two gunners. That's who he played with when he came in. He had yeah. no chance, and he was the number one overall pick in a franchise that had been losing. And That's what I always said John Wall's career is unfairly judged. Unfairly judged. He got to the second round of the playoffs with, with, out of that mess, which was remarkable. And, yeah, people remember Pierce hitting some late shots and everything. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Those who remember Pierce playing on the Wizards. Um, but, like, it's... He came into a terrible situation, and they really didn't develop another elite player until Wall got hurt. And so I, I think that he has been unfairly judged. Um, I know, just knowing Pat's background, that probably everything I just said, he probably thinks about <laughs> yeah. and, and thinks that he can take this guy. And he fits the Heat profile in so many other ways that I'm with you. I like Blake and uh, what he could provide. I don't think Blake is done. I think Blake, if, if in the right system – where he's not asked to carry a team, can be very effective later in his career. But John Wall fits perfectly, so I'm with you on that. But anyway, uh, we did a little hero. I, want, I do want to get to Myers briefly before we kind of get, get out of here today. So I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and this is Making America Clean Again. No, you guys know me. I don't say the other thing. Making America Clean Again. You can find them at macainc.net. That's M-A-C-A, inc.net. This is a new division of Greenview construction and basically what they do is absolutely we have a lot of sponsors that are great sponsors this sponsor is like the sponsor for our times they clean and they sanitize they disinfect they sterilize that's what you need in your business that's what you need in any property that you have right now residents because people are afraid to go inside (laughs) they want to make sure that it's clean right so make sure that you reach out maca inc.net Again, they, they're fully trained. That You can get certificates for bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. You can put them right there on your window so everybody knows that your place is safe for your loved ones, safe for your employees, safe for your clients. They give you that certificate to display at your workplace showing that you've been properly cleaned by a licensed professional, which is important to gain your customer's trust on all of our roads to recovery. They got a three, like I said, a three-step cleaning process, clean and sanitize, disinfect, and sterilize. So it's MACA. Inc.net, M-A-C-A-I-N-C.net, making America clean again. All right, back to the episode. Let's get to Myers Leonard because this is really going to test that whole thing of heat culture. <laughs> um, we've kind of all fallen in love with Myers personally. I think um, there's a lot of Heat players I've really liked over the years. A lot of people know my personal favorites. I mean, some are the big high-profile guys, and some of them were not. Okay, Some of them were, I, mean, I don't know if you call P.J. Brown high-profile, but he was one of my favorites. Brian Grant was one of my favorites. I've had a lot of favorites over the years, Keith Askins, et cetera. Um, 
Myers Leonard kind of elevated into that space. I know you had a lot of interactions with him. I think we get colored as reporters uh, by whether we like a guy or not. And so it colors is one of the things I've always fought over my career is kind of, you know, not coloring my feelings about a player and his performance based on whether I like the guy or not, but we all like Myers, but it's not that we like Myers. Everybody in this town likes Myers. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, and just some of the things that have happened here this off season. Um, I mean, during COVID he has been a million percent, the most visible heat player. Um, he has raised incredible amounts of money for charity. He has played Call of Duty with fans from all over. He has basically cured boredom while giving away money. He dyed ret- his hair vice colors. He dyed his hair vice colors. He retweets us more than the other people on our network do. He's like, I mean, I feel like he works for five reasons. Like, I, he you know, donated a thousand dollars to Nakias after. Well, I was going to mention that. So Nakias Duncan has been on this podcast. He does a lot of work for five reasons in Miami Heat beat. Um, Nakias's house burned down. We put something. You started a GoFundMe. I promoted it on our Twitter account, and Myers saw it, and because people tagged him because they know how good a guy he is, and he gave a thousand dollars to Nakias, and not just a thousand. I've said this before. Within like the twenty-five minutes of him giving the thousand. Nikias had $5,000 more, more because everybody was inspired by and saw the retweets and saw Myers' tweets of that. And then today, Myers put out a tweet, which is not easy. I mean, let's be honest, okay? This is, this is not easy during these times. We don't want to get too much into politics here. But to me, this isn't political. What happened in Minnesota is obvious. It's, it's moral. It's not political. Um, and so, and Myers came out and did something which is not easy, particularly I think for white athletes to do, uh, which is basically to come out and unequivocally, uh, you know, speak out, okay, about, uh, about what happened in Minnesota. And so, you know, people are tweeting, you know, you can't ever let the hammer go and all the rest of this. How do we reconcile with that with the fact that the Heat are going to have limited resources, <laughs> that they've got four guys potentially to re-sign with him, Goran Dragic, Derek Jones Jr., and Jay Crowder, all of whom have their own attributes. Goran has really endeared himself. Jay endeared himself quickly. DJJ is a fan favorite. How, how do you balance all that with a guy who we think has been very important for them on the court but is a former first-round pick who had only started 40, was it 42 games before he started 49 this season? Um, and is in a lot, you know, average 6.1 points this season, you know, career 5.6 with, you know, 3.9 rebounds. How do we reconcile that? I mean, it all depends on how much he's asking for, but I, I'm always one of these people who say, you know, take the, take the emotion out of business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're talking about a guy like Dwayne towards the tail end of his career, things like that, where a guy has done so much for a city or so much for, a franchise that you just owe him to lose for a year to keep him around, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like I'm one of these guys that as a Giants fan, I want an Eli and Coughlin to retire together. I don't care if we, I don't care if the Giants never got to another uh, playoff again. It didn't matter to me. What mattered to me most is that the guy, the guys who brought me two titles were mm-hmm. that got to retire as Giants. Mm-hmm. Myers is in this weird space where he has already endeared himself so much and done so much in this community that, like, I mean, Twitter, is, there's, and 
listen, Twitter's never unified about anything, especially Heat Twitter. Heat Twitter's like 90% behind, you better re-sign Myers Leonard. Now, <laughs> Twitter's going to change their tune if Myers is asking for $18 million, right? <laughs> you know, that's, it's going to, it, it's, it's going to change up really quick. But um, if they can't find a better option at the five, Considering the way that they played when it was Bam, uh, Bam and Myers out there with uh, Duncan, Jimmy, and Nunn, like you got to really, really think about it, um, and just, and just, I don't know if the, if the price tag is right. He's just a guy that fits so well next to Bam, and honestly, we had a conversation with him, Nikias and I, where he was not completely happy in his role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you remember that conversation. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember. He wasn't completely happy in his role, but he did it without ever complaining. I mean, what he did to us, what he, what he said in front of us wasn't complaining. But he played his role next to Bam without ever complaining. Right. Um, he, also, and- he also empowered Bam. And I, I, we've talked a lot this year about, uh, you know, the importance of Bam kind of coming out of his shell and realizing how good he is, because I, I really think that's where this franchise takes the next step. And the two guys who did the most for that were Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard. Yep. Um, and, you know, Myers, like, became close. With, and, you know, I did a podcast with Myers and his wife, Elle, uh, which is terrific. You guys should go back and check it out. And they talk a lot about level foods, but also their relationship and, and you know, how they've grown to love Miami. And, and I mean, they're just great. They're, they're great. They've become like the first couple of Miami. Now that Gabby and, and Dwayne are in L.A., uh, they're kind of like the first sports couple of Miami. I mean, and Ryan and what, what was her name again? I forgot. Uh, Tana, the one with a gun in her car. Oh, uh, Lauren. Tana. Yeah. Um, they, the they, they, <laughs> I mean, that's all I remember her for. Uh, but, but basically, like, that's, you know, they've become this really endearing, you know, family down here. I mean, like, people know their dogs. Um, and, but, but, the, but he basically, you know, he empowered Bam. I mean, he has been there for Bam all the way along. And, and Myers told the, the, the story on, on the podcast with me of him and Jimmy Butler and how, you know, he, he said, I want to get to know Jimmy Butler better. And so his wife was like, well, how are you going to do that? He's like, I don't know. So he, he asked Jimmy, maybe we could go get something to eat. And they went to eat three straight times in Toronto on a road trip until they really knew each other. I mean, he's made a real effort. I mean, and with Tyler Hero, I watched this in the locker room. Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, I took Tyler under his wing. He took him, you know, Chicago. They worked out for me. But the guy talking to Tyler the most in the locker room was Myers um, about everything, giving him a hard time, okay, but also kind of checking him. Um, I, that is important. That matters. And, and the Heat know this stuff. Like, they, they monitor this stuff. They know who's a good influence, who's not a good influence. But it is ultimately going to come down to money because it always does, okay? And the Heat have had situations in the past with popular players. Ike Austin comes to mind. Eric Murdoch comes to mind. They just couldn't afford because of circumstances. Mike Miller, Joel Anthony. Mike, Mike, Mike Miller, Joel, exactly. Okay, although with Mike, I'll tell you a story about Mike because I heard something recently that clarifies the whole amnesty thing. They regret the amnesty thing in retrospect, by the way. There are other guys they would have gotten rid of instead if they could do it. Mike wanted it, too. That's the problem. That's the well, thing. Mike, Mike, okay. Can I tell – I'm going to tell one – I'm not going to tell well, you. I want to say one thing about Myers before, yeah. before we, we get off the topic. Okay. The, th- the one thing I like the most about Myers is from the beginning, a lot of people would tweet me and, and DM me and text me that they don't like Myers because it's all fake. Right. And it it's seems all too good show. to be true. It yeah, seems it's too all, good to be true. It's not. It's, it's bullshit. And I told them from the beginning because we sat in front of Myers at um, 
media day. Mm-hmm. And I said, this guy is 1,000%. What he portrays out there in front of everyone, that right. is exactly who he is. But we don't trust people anymore when they're like that. But I, no, I t- but he's but, 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 I, I, but I talked to people who covered him, like Sean Hyken and others, and they told me, no, this guy is legit. But again, when you first meet him, you're like, okay, wait, it's, this it's, is a little it's too a much. Lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, exactly. The voice, the, the pumping up other guys. And, and there are guys who are kind of locker room lawyers. That's the word for it. And so, you, you know, and they're doing it, like you said, they're doing it for show. I've covered a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys. Myers he, is not that. He is not that guy. And so I do think that it creates this situation now where, again, how, look, Goran Dragic is, is very popular and a great team guy in his own way, okay? And so, you know, I just wonder how they're going to figure out, you know, if the cap goes down and they've got four guys to keep and they're weighing age and they're weighing value and they're weighing, do we want to lose DJJ's future? Or do, can we find another guy who's doing the things that Jay Crowder was on our pod who talked about wanting to stay down here? Do we want to lose Goran, what he provides, but also he's everything that he's given to the organization. I mean, he's become a heat lifer, so to speak. He wants who's to be gonna, here. And who's going to sign a one-year deal? Well, that's the question. Who's going to sign the one-year deals? Who's going to be willing to do that? I mean, all four of those guys, all four of those guys, I've never seen a situation like this. All four of them have spoken publicly in a very dramatic way about wanting to be here. All of yep. them. All four. And, I mean, Jay said it on a pod. He said it to others. DJJ has basically talked about how the Heat saved his career. Uh, you know, and Goran, I know Goran's feelings. Goran's been very clear about his feelings all along. He didn't want to go anywhere else. So, I just – it's it's challenging. I'm not sure – they're going to have to figure out a way to split the pie. Um, I just think it's going to be really tough to keep all four, particularly under and the Ethan, current circumstances. And, Ethan, they're all too good for a one-year deal. Well, that's the problem. And DJJ, <laughs> I don't think should take a one-year deal. I no. think if you're DJJ, you should try to take He needs to, to cash in, right? I think now, he needs Gor- to cash Gor- in Goran's the one. Goran's the one who could do the one if they promise him. I, I think that still with him is the best route. Um, Jay might do it. Jay might do it. But the thing about Jay is Jay's tired of moving around. Uh, but I will say this is where the Iguodala money becomes a little uh, okay because I'd rather have some of this money, that money for some of the other guys. But like, but with Jay, he he's tired of moving around. But Miami is home for him, as he told us. And so I do think that with Jay, he may take the one-year deal here just to extend it and see if he can be a part of the long-term future. Because I think for him, staying the one extra year in Miami would be worth it. It's different than doing a one-year deal in minnesota or something like that i think in miami you do it and you kind of say okay maybe i can become a long-term piece here but jay's skill set is the easiest to replicate of the four i think but i also think he was really good this year so i it's it's hard to say so it's a it's a tough can i i'm going to tell the mike miller story yeah go ahead go ahead all right so a couple things on this um people know i was pretty close with mike when he was playing here so I got invited, um, and there was another reporter there, but I got invited to a couple parties at his house when he was living in Lighthouse Point. He was renting this mansion um, on the water, a gorgeous, gorgeous house. Okay, and, and there were other players. At both events I was at, there were other players. I can't remember which players were which, but I think Battier was at this one, a couple of others. I'm not name-dropping. I'm just trying to provide context. So we're, we're there, but this was a night um, about the amnesty stuff was coming out, and he did not want to go to Cleveland. And so here's Mike. It's funny because he ended up in Cleveland a year later. This was 2002. He, he, he's sitting there drinking, like putting back like six beers that night, but he's walking up. And he's like, you got to, you got to tweet that I ha- I'm having back surgery tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I can't do that. 
you're drinking six beers. Uh, so <laughs> that's how badly he didn't want to go to Cleveland uh, that previous year. Amazing. But but he was trying to he was trying to manipulate the amnesty process a little bit. He he. I mean, this stuff goes on behind the scenes all the time, but. Uh, yeah, that, that's how badly he did it with the Cavs. But I was told um, by a couple people in the organization recently that they regret the Mike Miller amnesty, but not for the reason people think. They regret it because basically Mike, if you remember, the last, the second of last year before he left, he was talking the whole time about how he was done. He was going to retire in a week. I wrote some of those stories. Okay, mm-hmm. His back couldn't take it. He was going for epidurals during the Knicks series, disappearing, coming back, and nobody was writing about it. Like This was going on during that whole day. He couldn't walk. And so the Heat basically got – I mean, they, one way, they kind of got tired of the whole thing of Mike just talking about retirement all the time, all the time, all the time. So they didn't think he – they were – so that next season, 12-13 – they tried to they, one of the reasons he was not in the rotation was they basically put him in bubble wrap you know mm-hmm. and if you and then they went on the 27 game winning streak and he wasn't part of the nine man rotation he only played in two games and it was two games Dwayne missed and Mike started in his place so then they didn't understand why he got pissed cuz he was bitching all the time publicly they knew okay but he he and James Jones were always complaining to me about how they weren't playing and and they, they were, I wasn't the only one they were complaining to others and so they, they were like, okay, fine. Okay. All right. You don't want to be here anymore. Okay. We, we don't want, so that was one reason they amnestied him. But what ended up happening was then the next year, Mike miraculously recovered in Memphis, played 82 games and shot 45% from three. Yeah. And the Heat had kept some guys around who didn't want to be here anymore. Ray, Shane, even Richard was always complaining. And what I was told basically was if they could do it all over again, they would have gotten rid of some JJ. They would have gotten rid of some of the other guys and kept Mike. Like they could have, and it would have cleaned out the rotation because they had too many guys to play in that 13, 14 season who weren't happy that they weren't playing. Remember they brought Beasley back. They brought in Odin and like, there was all this other Tony Douglas. There were all these other guys. So if they could do it again, it's not because they pissed off LeBron that they would take it back. They would take it back because it created clutter that last season when it would have been better to just keep Mike and get rid of two or three other guys. That's what I was. But you know what it felt that last season? It just felt like everyone just was finding things to complain about. Yes. Well, that is true. Like they were just so like, it was just such a miserable season. I remember it as a fan on Twitter, on heat Twitter, talking to other fans. Like it was just, it just wasn't fun. Like, Everything was a the, the Miller amnesty was a problem. Joel and the jo, the Joel mm, trade Joel was a problem. a problem. Everything was a problem, and it was almost like, is it really a, if you if you guys really wanted to be here, and if you guys were, weren't tired of this whole situation, would you care about any of this stuff? It yeah. didn't seem like they would have. They were tired of each other. They were tired of Pat's rules. Uh, a lot of them were tired of Spo, uh, Ray in particular, um, others on the team. Uh, they were just tired of each other. They were, uh, and you know what? They were also tired of. They were really tired of Dwayne, and not not personally, but they were tired of the. Is he going to play? Isn't he going to play? Who's going to play? We're going to find out ten minutes before the game that he's not going to play. I mean, I mean one of the fans pe- were tired of it too. Fans. I mean, one of the people who was most tired of it was Bron. Okay. Yep. I mean, he was. Rio was kind of pissed that year about a bunch of different things. Like they, they were all irritated. UD was not happy either. Okay, that's the other thing. Like, UD has stuck this out, but there have been a lot of times over the course of time that, that UD has not been. There were a lot of guys who were not happy that last year. And I, I would hear about it all the time. As a, you could yeah. feel it as a fan. You, you, watching the games, 
It just was not, there was not the joy. But they were good enough still. They were still good enough to get to the finals. That's what was so crazy. I mean, and and the East was depleted. I mean, let's be honest. Indiana was good, but they weren't great. But it felt like a miracle that they even got there. No, well, that's the thing. And then they got there and they had nothing left. And it's like what Shane said, you know, after they lost the Spurs, I knew we weren't going anywhere because we weren't a top 10 defense. I asked him, I don't know if you heard on the pod, but I asked him, I said, when did you know? He says the first day of training camp. Like he knew, he, he knew the first day of training camp, A, that they were going to have problems and B, that he was done. But yeah. at that point, you're pot committed, right? You're there. Okay. And, and Ray was going through the motions that year and Shane was going through the motions and other guys were unhappy about playing time. And, and then, you know, and then you brought back Beasley and Odin, you know, one of whom Odin was sullen, you know, he has some, obviously some issues and Beasley was bees. I mean, seeing Beasley in the same locker room with some of those, I, I like Michael Pease personally, but like, like seeing him in the same locker room with some of those guys, you know, like some of the really smart guys who just won two championships was, it was something, you know, and it's like, you know, so, so it was a total, total mess. And, and, but they still were good enough because they had LeBron. (laughs) That's like, that's, that's the thing. Like that's all that season is such a testament to LeBron and it doesn't get talked about. Like he dragged people talking about him dragging the 07 team in the finals. I mean, he dragged that 14 team to the finals like that. I mean, I I think Bosch hooked. Bosch, Bosch was, was good. good, but he was bad in the finals, though. Yeah, oh, he was terrible in the finals. He was bad, yeah. and, and he wasn't happy during a lot of that year. Also, you remember him blowing up in New Orleans, which was very unlike him, where he called out the team in New Orleans. Um, I, I forgot. They, I mean, they had a bad result, but I can't. They were going through a bad period. So, yeah, all of that played into it. But the Miller thing, it hung over the team, but, like, not for the reason that I think a lot of us has given, which is, it pissed off LeBron. It, 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 it's, it was part of a larger narrative with LeBron that I think he used to justify what he did. But, and the Joel thing, I think actually bothered LeBron more the way that happened. But I think the Miller thing was more so, you know, well, we thought you didn't want to be here anymore. You were complaining all the time about playing time. You were saying you were going to retire. Uh, you know, why would we not, you know, t- take the, the tax savings now and like I said, I, they looked back and regret it. But anyway, we, we, you and I didn't know if we get through 20 minutes today. All right, we're done. Um, check, out, check out our sponsors. No, there's one thing I want to say that's funny. Yes, go ahead. Nobody has become more cutthroat in the NBA than LeBron James has. No. Right? Yeah, no. exactly. But it was bothering him back in 2013, 14. Right. But nobody is more cutthroat. Like, well, LeBron well, will come to your franchise, tell you how much he wants to play with you, and trade you the next day. See you, Dion. Yeah, I know. Well, 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 but but the whole thing is with that, you're right. But everybody talks about how he always fired coaches and he traded players. There was nobody traded in Miami the whole time he was here, other than Joel, and he didn't, well, he wasn't in favor of it. There no, were no he trades. The Heat, the Heat did not make a trade other than draft night, did they? Did they make a trade? The entire big three era. No, Birdman was a Birdman was, a was an acquisition. Turioff was an acquisition. Um, Dampier was an acquisition. They cut Stackhouse loose. Bibby was an acquisition. I mean, Carlos Arroyo, I guess you call it a trade. I still say if they kept Arroyo and cut Bibby, they probably win the champ. Not get Bibby, they probably win the championship. Um, uh, uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, the only trade they made, he didn't like. It was that he had no control here. None. Uh, I, I mean, so it's, it's, it's remarkable. There's like this four-year cutout in LeBron's career that doesn't fit with anything else. It's just, yes. it's like, it's like a four-year cutout. It's like, oh, okay. He conformed for four seasons and everywhere else he's had free reign. And that is 
you know, we talk about, you know, everybody talks about his boys or is this or is that or other situations personal that were going on that led him out of Miami. Okay. Or Spolstra. No, the reality was in large part, you know, this was, you know, he, he conformed long enough to get the two championships to build his legacy. And he and learned he the business. Him, he, 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 right. He learned the business. He learned how to take it somewhere else. And he decided, okay, I mean, I don't need this anymore. I mean, and I don't like it anymore. And that's, that's right. I mean, we could do a whole podcast. I, like we said, we were doing 20 minutes. Maca right. Inc. Mac, and you got to do lights, going to pillings. Uh, Maca Inc net check it out get your place clean and sterilized check out christophersbakery.com backslash five reasons save 15 percent off your first order there we've got so many sponsors now we really appreciate it and i mentioned uh chiropractickeystone.com get a free 15 minute video consultation uh to get your back checked out i may need to do that because i'm getting old all right thanks for being with us thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.